the best context for not only success in life, peace with God, and just general human happiness is the traditional nuclear family as designed by God. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Today it's all about our kids. Are they walking away from the faith? Drifting? Stay close. I used to have a home The place I started from A place to call my own But bright lights and late nights The devil took me on a midnight ride Left me out in the desert on my own And now I feel alone I need a hand to help me find my way back home I'm a drifter out on a dead end road Trying to find my way back home to get to you Oh, to get to you Lord, I've been gone so far too long Headed to places I don't belong And I've got to get back home to you Welcome into Life, Love, and Family. Hi, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton, President of the American Association of Christian Counselors. Today we're talking about an abandoned faith, why millennials are walking away, and how you can lead them back home. Our special guest today is Alex McFarland. Alex is a religion and culture expert known throughout America. He serves as director of the Christian Worldview and Apologetics Center at North Greenville University. He also co-hosts Exploring the Word and Viral Truth on American Family Radio. He's the founder of the acclaimed National Apologetics Conference called Truth for a New Generation. You've seen him everywhere, from the Billy Graham School of Evangelism to Focus on the Family to Fox News, Sirius XM, AP, Newsmax TV, and more. Alex is a dear friend of ours. He gets this generation. Alex, thanks for stopping by Life, Love, and Family. Oh, thanks, Dr. Tim. It's great to be back on. Alex, you're out there scanning the landscape. You're speaking everywhere. What are you finding? For the book Abandoned Faith, we interviewed, I mean, one-on-one, face-to-face interviews, more than 220-somethings. And sociologists use terms like millennials and plurals. Millennials are generally people that are about 29 or 30 and younger, Plurals are people that are generally born since 9-11, so they're going to be 16, 17, and younger. Most millennials and all plurals have never known an America that wasn't hyper-pluralistic. We've always been a pluralistic nation in the sense that you're free to believe whatever you want to believe. But up until recently, you know, Tim, the America that you and I grew up in, even people that weren't necessarily Christians, they had a degree of reverence for the church or the Bible, and they certainly had a moral compass that defined how they viewed life and behavior, and there was a sense of right and wrong, even among non-church-going folk. But the plurals and many of the millennials, they live in a world with no boundaries, They really live in a world where the lines of right and wrong or appropriate versus inappropriate are very blurred if they exist at all. 
for families that want to pass values onto their kids, for churches that want to reach people with the gospel, there are some challenging dynamics that this culture presents, and we saw that very clearly in all the interviews that we were doing for the book. We sat down with Ed Stetzer and George Barna and David Kinneman and James Dobson, but really what I wanted most of all was to find out of the young adults that had walked away from God or Christianity, I was wanting to find where they're coming from and why they were where they were. And we wanted to give some realistic solutions for parents of prodigals and for leaders like ourselves that care about passing the faith to the next generation. So the question, Alex, is there a fade? Are our kids abandoning the faith? Yes or no? Yes. In fact, I mean, think about this. Last fall, a group out of Ohio did a study, and 19% of young adults who have a Christian background say their spiritual needs cannot be fully met by Christianity. Isn't that amazing that almost one out of five evangelical young people would say Christianity doesn't meet my spiritual needs? That's basically three-fourths attrition rate. Conversely, Muslims have a 77% retention rate among their children. Heaven forbid that 65 to 75% of the kids that we raise in church or youth group or Christian school might fall away. Is this happening, Alex, by the way, in high school, college? Where are you seeing the fade? And it's like, I want to say contradictory for a moment. It's like most of these kids would still describe themselves as Christians, though, wouldn't they? They would. And let me say this generation is intensely spiritually hungry. Of all the people we've interviewed, and I get this through the correspondence we receive through you know, media and everywhere we go, humans are still humans. We were made for relationship. We were made for family and relationship, and we're made for a relationship with God. Human nature hasn't changed, but there's so much static in the culture and so many different messages. One of the big things, though, one of the big things that contributes to the blurring of the lines of truth and morality and behavior is the authority of Scripture. And and that's why, I mean, we need a lot of things, fundamentally family and uh, relationships that are based on trust, honesty, and respect. But we must instill in the hearts of these precious, precious young people a belief in the Word of God, that the Bible is our measuring stick for truth, for salvation, for right and wrong. You know, I tell churches, because there's the tendency among churches sometimes, because they don't want to lose anybody, they they kind of water things down, or they, they make it more about, you know, maybe entertainment rather than discipleship. But really that's counterproductive, because the churches that, that are growing, they're reaching and retaining to reach and to retain, are the ones that are providing some meat and some substance. While, yes, we are to a degree losing a generation. I mean, from 18 to 30, that's kind of the lost decade for many a youth, a spiritual dry spell of of 10 years. However, they are definitely spiritually hungry. They're definitely open to solid truth, the meat of the Word. There's some hope in all this. Do they come back, I guess? Absolutely. Okay, okay. But before we go there, and I, I think you're raising so many issues, Alex, 
where are we going wrong or what's happening? Is the world that they're growing up in so different? Are we putting exorbitant amounts of pressure on them to perform in, say, sports or and their academics, uh, the pressure, the pain, the, the chaos of modern day life? Alex, our kids in unprecedented numbers are growing up in broken homes from the divorce epidemic. Are all these factors playing into this? Is, that, is this why there's this fade that's going on spiritually? Let me quote two sociologists, Bradford Wilcox and Mary Everstadt, and they wrote a very famous book called How the West Really Lost God. They say, quote, the recent history of American religion illuminates what amounts to a sociological law. The fortunes of American religion rise or fall with the fortunes of the intact married family, end of quote. Now, you know, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And l- let me say this, Tim. I mean, I get it. I- I've pastored two churches and done a lot in ministry, and I understand life happens and families go through rough spots. It's sometimes in my message that we must champion family, Sometimes people say, well, you know, what about the valiant single parent who's doing their best or hold their family together? And I get that. We applaud the godly, committed single parent who's doing their utmost to do right by their kids. And we applaud that and we recognize that. Always. But we can't forget that the family, as designed by God, has great spiritual significance and really... For young people to launch and thrive, not only intellectually, academically, but spiritually, and frankly, to thrive economically over the long pull, the best context for not only success in life, peace with God, and just general human happiness is the traditional nuclear family as designed by God. Which is decimated. Oh, I know. Even in Christian circles, I mean, when I say, look, if you want to save America, you've got to save Christianity. But if you want to save Christianity, you've got to be a champion for the family. Sometimes, even in Christian circles, people can chafe at that. But Psychology Today, Harvard University, I mean, there are volumes of research that talk about the importance of family and marriage. And even going through your marriage and weathering the storms of life and rocky years, a Harvard University professor, Daniel Gilbert, wrote a book on marriage, and he said married people are happier than unmarried people. Marriage adds a decade or more to life. Again, uh, the caveat, you know, we're not trying to denigrate or put a a burden on those whose um, marriages have not stayed together, the research is unequivocal that marriage contributes to overall emotional stability, happiness, health, longevity, financial stability, but definitely the raising of kids that go the distance. The conventional wisdom has been that the spiritual attrition rate of young people is due to the culture. You know, we've had atheism, we've had public schools that are largely secular, we've had media and entertainment and culture that's very hedonistic, and kids, through their cultural influences, have turned away from God. It's really what the progression has been, at least in my research, and I believe this is true, the breakdown of the family paved the way for the breakdown of the church. So if you want to save the church and save the souls of a young generation, 
you've got to become a champion for the family. I want to come back and talk more, Alex, about how we embrace hope here and connect with our kids in such a way that we embrace God in a different way and each other and hopefully create a better future. Our special guest today here on Life, Love, and Family, Dr. Alex McFarland. He's a religion and culture expert throughout America. He serves as director of the Christian Worldview and Apologetic Center at North Greenville University. He's written a few books, I think 18 in total. Brand new book out called Abandoned Faith. Alex McFarland, Jason Jimenez, the two of you guys have teamed up. Really, it's about understanding our kids and why there's this faith, this walking away from the faith. And by the way, most importantly, how you can lead them home. If you have millennials in your home or you minister in any way to that generation, you have to get this book, Abandoned Faith, Alex McFarland, Jason Jimenez. Alex, let me come back to you. Talk to us about the hope side, because I think we don't need to spend a lot of time on whether or not people have regrets in parenting, whether or not they've made mistakes, whether or not we probably have been overloaded or maybe have some disconnect, or we all know that there are some kids who are easier to parent than others. Everybody's there. We also know that we struggle in terms of biblical literacy. Probably more than ever, we struggle with knowing God's Word. Where do we go? Alex, talk to us about connecting with this generation. Generation, because every mom and dad listening right now, that's what terrifies them. They want their kids close. They want their kids to know that God is real. Oh, absolutely. The overwhelming message of the book, Abandoned Faith, why millennials are leaving and how to bring them home, is there should be hope. Mom and dad have hope because with all the people we've interviewed, I mean, we've got hundreds of stories of the prodigals who come home. You know, Tim, I believe Proverbs 22, 6. I think it's a promise of God's Word. Train up a child in the way he should go, when he's and old. when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, from the training up of a child to the when he is old, he will not depart, sometimes there's a long interval. But I would say where we are right now, number one, be hopeful. Number two, know that as much as you love your child, the Lord loves them infinitely more. And God hears the prayers. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of a parent's prayers. And oftentimes, if there are some spiritual challenges or defiance issues and authority issues in the life of your child, what we have is an opportunity. I mean, we have an opportunity to understand more things about the faithfulness of God. And just as we want our children to submit to us in love because we care about their welfare, It's an opportunity for us to even more deeply submit to God and learn things about how he works through our life as we're trying to work in our children's lives. The main things that young people want, and and this begins in childhood, they want to know that they're cared about. They want to know that their authority figures, whether it's a parent or a Sunday school teacher, are authentic themselves. One thing about kids, I mean, they can spot a fake a mile away. Oh, man, yeah. It's, it's amazing the discernment they have. If we say that the Lord is number one in our life, yet if we're not role modeling that commitment, they'll pick up on that. And believe me, I know our schedules are full. You know, families today, moms and dads, the dance card is full, and I understand that. But from an early age, have devotions with your kids. Have quiet time. I mean, from toddlerhood up. Even if it's just a 30-second prayer, 
You know, Lord bless us as we sleep. And fortunately, we have so many wonderful resources nowadays. But read the Bible. I love it when the child never knows a time when the Word of God wasn't part of their day-to-day life. And then, you know, I'm going to say what we used to hear Dr. Falwell say. Two things that I took as core values from my time doing postgraduate work at Liberty, Dr. Falwell would say, the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. And then secondly, Dr. Falwell would say, lose at anything else but win with your family. I've got an article right here from Psychology Today. The question was, does marriage make us happy? And this was from um, University of California at Riverside, a PhD in the psychology department says, sticking with your spouse confers many potential benefits, children, intimacy, companionship, and it says this, family. Scientists have concluded that strong, warm, loving families undoubtedly make us happy, quote, an avalanche of research demonstrates this. Tim, it's like the secular world is preaching our sermons for us. They're saying family is where it's at. It's interesting, Alex, you know, right in that lane, you mentioned earlier about kids just needing to know they're cared about. The number one thing that still makes a kid happy is a great relationship with his mother and or father. In addition to that, the emotional connection, the emotional closeness piece, meaning where you're dialed into each other's world. Paul Tournier once said, the busy or preoccupied parent misses many a cure opportunity to speak hope, to speak life, to help a child through a difficult time. If you're not attuned to your child, if you're not there in those moments, somebody else is going to speak into them, or he or she's going to have to figure out how to do that piece of life alone. And they're often overwhelmed and confused by everything. While you were talking, Alex, I wrote down this, you can't give what you don't have, mom or dad. Amen. It's got to be in you first, and then you give it to them. You can't fake it till you make it with your kids. It doesn't work that way. To me, this is a glaring thing with this millennial generation, and that's screen time. Uh, The social media influence piece, they're getting bombarded with messages on values and priorities, sexuality. They're getting bombarded on who they are and what they're not and what they should be, etc. And when you start thinking about the influence of the church and how much little influence we often have as parents even into the lives of our kids and what they're getting from everywhere else, you better figure out how to get in that world, don't you think, Alex? Absolutely. I I was going to say that uh, two of the key areas that mom and dad must monitor, one is screen time and the other are the friends. In fact, just this morning I was counseling with a family. They called me and I'm on the road speaking, but I spent about an hour on the phone with a family. And let me say this, our dear friend Josh McDowell says, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. And I believe that in the setting of boundaries and the maintaining of parameters, oftentimes a parent has to explain, you know, here's why we're doing this or here's why we're not doing that. But a lot of parents will really kind of lower their guard and kind of let there be kind of no boundaries and no clear delineation of authority because they don't want their kid to be mad at them. The mom I was on the phone with this morning said if she puts down some rules about the friends with whom their kids associate, she said, my daughter is going to be so mad at me. Well, let me just say, occasionally having your kid mad at you, that's just an occupational hazard that comes with the job of parenting. 
if you've got a friend who is a very detrimental influence, you're going to have to prayerfully, carefully, proactively monitor that. And I think two areas where kids can fall away from the faith, because that's what we're talking about, how to reverse the spiritual attrition rate. For one thing, monitor what they're looking at online, because there's not only crazy websites that have all sorts of objections against Christianity, but there's uh, obviously pornography and so much objectionable, inappropriate material online. I know there's good stuff too. But look, you've got to repeat to yourself and believe it. I am the parent. I am the parent. If you're the one paying the cable bill, you have the right to monitor what's online and what media comes into your home. But friends, the right friends or the wrong friends, you know, hugely influence your child. And uh, we understand that oftentimes kids will chafe at boundaries. But that's just our sin nature. I mean, it's our nature to chafe against authority. Mom and dad, don't forget, don't forget the significant voice you are in the life of your kid. Tim, I've done a lot of events with and for James Dobson. And we were doing some events uh, where we'd bring together apologetic speakers like Josh McDowell and Lee Strobel. And we did a lot of surveys up until the most recent would have been probably fall of 2016. And we would ask kids about the big questions of life, God, spirituality, sexuality. Who do you listen to? Number three was clergy. Number two were teachers. Very oftentimes, you know, youth pastor, friends, peers, media, website, they're in there. The two, three, and fours are always kind of jockeying which is above which. But number one, always, always, 98% of all the kids, and we've, we've like done surveys with over 100,000 teenagers, the number one voice they look to or listen for is their parents. So mom and dad, despite the pushback and the static and the fighting authority or what we think is that, they still, at least in our research, mom and dad still have massive amounts of street cred. You need to be able to say, here's what the Lord says, and here's, as a Christian family, this is why we do what we do. And the kid needs to see that you are sold out to Jesus. My point is this. I read a book a couple of years ago called The 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Ask About God and Christianity. Interviewed so many people, and over and over, I would hear moms and dads say, I'm not a theologian, and I don't know. My my son, my daughter ask a really hard question, so I said, I don't know. Well, see, if we project that we don't know, and we don't read the Bible, and we're Christians, but kind of just on a very thin, superficial level, the message we're conveying is, well, it must not be that important. Our children need to see in our own life that, you know, we love the Lord so much and we're so committed that His Word is the guidebook for our life that, yes, even if you don't know the immediate answer, like how did Noah get all those animals on the ark or where was Jesus for the three days that He was in the tomb, we can say, well, hey, let's study that together. And even if you don't immediately know an 85-cent answer, well, it becomes a teaching opportunity where you can read the Word together, you can you know, read a Josh McDowell book, you read one of my books. But everything boils down to this. In our time, our activities, and even in our thought life, all of life for the Christian is stewardship. The Lord has graciously given us life. The Lord has graciously given us this day. 
God has given us his word. So we need to be a good steward, and we need to manage it well. And it almost becomes, for children, kind of an adventure. God's given us time and abilities, and God's given us relationships and friendships, and God's allowed us to go to school and get an education. Let's see how we can make the most, we've got to maximize the things that God has trusted into our lives. So that's a core value of mine, that in the family, God's given us a spouse, God's given us kids. We want to view all of life in terms of stewardship, and whenever we meet God one day, we want to stand before God and say, Lord, all this stuff you gave me, here's what I did with it for your glory. Kids like a project, and life is a project. Alex, last word from you. I would say, know Christ and make him known. Let me say this, Tim. I've been a pastor. I know you have too. And no matter what you do, if you're in the ministry, it's all about people. As a pastor, I've been in way too many hospitals to see people in their final moments. I was a student at Liberty and had only preached in a couple of places, and I was asked to do a funeral. Here's what I would say with all my heart to everyone who hears this broadcast. I've never, ever been in a hospital with a dying person, and that person said, oh, wow, if I had only had a nicer car, or if I had only had a better golf score. As you're in the final moments of the fourth quarter, you're about to leave this world. I promise you, folks, and this is 28 years of ministry experience, all you're going to care about is God and family. What did I do for my Lord? What did I do for my loved ones? Today is the time we can make the decision that those are where our priorities will be. I'm a drifter out on a dead end road Trying to find my way back home To get to you Oh, to get to you Lord, I've been gone for far too long Headed to places I don't belong And I've got to get back home Lord, I've got special guest again today has been Dr. Alex McFarland. He and Jason Jimenez wrote a book called Abandoned Faith. It's about why millennials are walking away, how we can lead them back home. I can't think of a topic more significant than talking about our kids having influence in their life. Here's what I do know. There's nobody who will love your kids more than you do. God's given them to you as a precious gift for a season, and he wants you, mom, dad, to be an instrument of his grace and his love, to offer hope, and by the way, to help launch them. No one more qualified in their life than you. I want to challenge you to step right now, if you're away, back into their life as much as you can. And the best way to do it is to live it out in front of them. Love them like crazy. Every kid needs somebody in his or her life who's crazy about him. 
Ask God to do that in and through you. And most importantly, my prayer is is that they would see him in and through you. What a gift. That's why, by the way, we come to you every day at this time on this station because we care about you and your relationships with those in your life, with God. If we can be of help to you, visit our website, lifeloveandfamily.net. All kinds of resources to speak into your life, to challenge you, to help you. Our toll-free number, 855-455-3264. I'm Dr. Tim Clinton for Life, Love, and Family. Thanks for listening. Life, Love, and Family. America's number one Christian residential treatment program, Honey Lake Clinic, specializing in addiction, depression, anxiety, bipolar, PTSD, staffed by nationally recognized psychiatrists and psychologists, a team of MDs and 24-hour nursing care, a 600-acre scenic sanctuary of unmatched beauty, Honey Lake Clinic, most insurance accepted, scholarships available, phone 844-747-7772, online, honeylake.clinic.